0: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Strap three!
1: Dodgers have won it all in 2020! And Lightning has struck twice, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back
2: Stanley Cup champions!
3: It is... Episode number 49 of for future considerations. And the first one really where I am in a sour mood. It's Manny, Matt, and John. Fellas, the, you gotta be in a better mood than me, right? The first
0: one? <laughs> the first one this week? <laughs>
3: oh, come on. I'm usually in a good mood when I do
1: these. The number of times I've heard I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I said no green (laughs) (laughs) M&Ms.
3: This guy's got a rider longer than the
0: number of jerseys retired by the St. Louis Blues.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And that list is way too long.
0: And I said the the Mariah Carey of podcasts here.
3: (laughs) How you doing, boys?
0: Yeah, we're doing all right. How are you doing? How uh, how far is that ledge? The you're uh, standing on there.
1: <laughs> we didn't text you last <laughs> night on purpose.
3: Uh, I didn't break my TV, so all in all, it's very still. Yeah, the magic is run out, guys. Like, there's not think, much to say. Uh, the magic ran out for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah,
0: light, uh, midnight even struck for Cinderella. It's uh, it's too bad when you get that far and things are rolling like that, and then you like you hit. Like you just hit a wall, and in in every sense of the of the term, like that series was unfairly <laughs> uneven uh, from start to finish.
3: Yeah, let's. This is where we should start, right, John? Let's talk
1: about this. Yeah, definitely. We have a special guest coming up in the OT, but yeah, we have to start the show by talking about the Stanley Cup Final, of course. As time timelines down
0: here in Tampa. Five seconds remaining. but retrieved by Petrie. The Tampa Bay Lightning win
1: their second straight Stanley Cup. As we said on Thursday night, the Lightning became the first repeat NHL champions since the Pittsburgh Penguins did it back in 2016 and 17. Guys, let me remind you, I was the only one who picked Tampa Bay to win it all. Guys. <laughs> yeah. And what did you think of that final? I, Stop I reminding us. I think I missed us that us episode. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man.
3: Good for you, Rashad. How much money did you win? None. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come on. Put your yeah, money in I should have monetized focus. that. Listen, the final, it wasn't the greatest hockey final of all time, but I didn't think the Montreal Canadiens embarrassed themselves against what turned out to be a really juggernaut of a team. Like, I think this year's Tampa Bay team was way better than last year's Tampa Bay team that won it all yeah
0: I, I think uh, that that Tampa in, in almost every aspect of the game dominated this series uh, from start to finish. Um, every game and every you know power play that they would go on or uh, you know they're they're down one or they're up one to me it just seemed like it was always just a matter of time until they got the next one. Uh, I thought they were fantastic in, in every aspect. Um, I, I just don't think Montreal, had enough of it, and, and it's funny when you see a team that's really running high, like the Lightning are, and then you compare it to a team that you know blew through the playoffs for the most part after being down 3-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. You now look at those two rosters side by side, you're like, yeah, Montreal doesn't have anywhere near the depth that that Tampa Bay does f- up for up front in the blue line. You know, Andre Vasilevsky, I don't care what these awards say. You got one goalie to you gotta pick one goalie to win a hockey game for you. You're insane if you don't pick Andre Vasilevsky to now having shut out five games in which they have either been winning the series and been able to eliminate it or to avoid it hasn't lost back-to-back games in two years or something like that in the playoffs like just ridiculous numbers and then when you put those two teams together on on the ice to me it was i don't think that this this series was after game one ever really in question for tampa
3: yeah, I think, you know, Montreal, if I look back at the series, Montreal was the better team in game two, and they still lost. Like, the the they made some mistakes, and when they made a mistake, the puck was in their net. And I think that's the difference between a good team and a great team. Like, if, if you're being outplayed, yet you can still capitalize on your opportunities, you've got the magic working. And that was for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You said something that really stood out for me with the difference. Yes, the goaltending was huge. But I think it was the depth, not only at the blue line, but at the forward spot. Like, their 6D were huge and strong uh, and deep. Uh, They were were very good. When I look at the forwards, they had the stars. They had the Kucherov. They had the point. They had the Stamkos. But then, look who scored the game winner in Game 5. Russ... Colton, Ross Colton. Like, who is this guy? Nobody nobody knew of him because um he was buried on the depth chart. Kalorn goes down, he gets bumped up into the roster, and he scores the only goal. His first goal in a Stanley Cup final just happens to be the championship clinching goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's what I talk about—the depth up front. Yeah, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, that was the difference.
0: You could keep going with that lineup: Tyler Johnson, Barkley, Goodrow, uh, Coleman. You know, you're looking at guys that are our third and fourth line guys, and I think you know all the credit goes to John Cooper because of the way he sells that program to those guys. Like you see bodies flying in front of Pucks with the Tampa Bay Lightning.
3: Goodrow flying two big, big blocks, two big blocks. They do it, and,
0: and it looks like until afterwards, it looks like they're enjoying it. You know what I mean? You don't see that with anybody else. I, I there was, you know, maybe intentionally three or four scenarios in in that series where we saw Montreal Canadiens forwards or defensemen racing towards a pocket of blue line to just lay their body out, and you saw it three or four times a game with the Tampa Bay Lightning.
3: Yeah, I want to give Scott Wheeler credit because I saw one of his tweets last night and I thought it was a great tweet. Steven Stamkos. When we, you remember when he was picked so high in the, the NHL draft out of the Sarnia Sting? Do you, do you remember that? He was drafted first overall in 2008. I don't think anybody would have thought he would have been the fourth best player on, the, on this Lightning no team kidding. when you think about it. No kidding. Right? He was
0: qual. We said it in the last episode. He was Fairly quiet in this series. Brighton Point was fairly quiet in this series. I think Montreal did a decent job against both of those guys. But you had guys that were coming out of the woodwork, and the depth on, on that team and scoring um, was, was phenomenal. I give them all the credit in the ra- world. I think, I, I'm thinking with Stamkos too, as you were watching, or you mentioned him, and I'm watching the, uh, the Stanley Cup uh, celebrations last night. I remember when he became a free agent. And the talk was, oh, he wants to go to Toronto, he wants to be a Leaf, he wants to do that. And then he stayed in Tampa Bay, and the the feedback after that from a bitter fan base was that he just wants to cruise in Tampa and not really know who uh, he is when he's walking down the street and not really, you know, worry about uh, about any attention and, and things like that. That guy's a player, man. That guy stays in Tampa Bay waits for that team to develop into what they end up being at Stanley Cup champions and, and an outstanding team for the last four or five years. Uh, and then, it, you know, now is the interesting time to see what happens to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they're they're going to be disassembled, and that was something that John Cooper had mentioned at the end of the uh, game in his post-game interviews, that that was one of the real riding points of his team, is that this team is absolutely not going to be together again next season. Uh, so this was really one last ride for them.
1: One of the things that got me to is just how tidy they were in the neutral zone. Montreal had to chip it in, dump it in, chase after it. Whereas Tampa Bay was able to just carry the puck in across the line. They were so tidy in the neutral. Yeah, zone. Yeah.
0: I think at about the seven minute mark of, uh, of game five last night, it was over. I mean, it was going to have to be some dirty goal on a misplay by Vasilevsky behind his own net or a go off of one of the Tampa Bay Lightning players legs or sticks or something like that to get it in they were doing exactly like you said John they were getting control of the puck in their own zone they were finding alleys they were moving the puck to the other, uh, weak side of the of the ice and just flipping it out and flipping it out and flipping
3: it out see I thought Montreal was the better team in the second period and and this just goes to show how the series went. Even though Montreal was the better team in the second, Tampa Bay scored yep. the only goal yeah, and, on their only opportunity. And right? John
0: and I were talking so, about that because we certainly weren't going to be talking to you. <laughs> <that night>. But <laughs> we, uh, you know, I was just putting the, the kiddies to bed, so I did not see period one. Rashad had messaged me and asked me what I uh, what I'd seen, and he just told me the shots were ten to two, the score was 0-0. and I said, "Well, as far as I'm concerned, Montreal wins that period because." they didn't get scored on they come out in the second period they do the same they flip flop and uh, and outshoot the Tampa Bay Lightning by a fair amount you go into the locker room down one nothing and it that's not the first time that happened in that series and once Tampa Bay like I said got into that seven minute mark I, I thought it was it was dump and chase time
3: like congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning great team I think better team this this championship team was better than last year's team but as a Montreal Canadiens fan, I'm proud of how they played. I think they should hold their heads high. Uh, nobody expected them to be there. And I think with the young nucleus, uh, yeah, they have some question marks about Price and Weber and some of the other guys. But the young nucleus, the young core for the Montreal Canadiens, future looks bright for them.
1: Yeah. And for me, is there anything more exciting than a team that shouldn't be there with just a ton of momentum? It's so much fun to watch a Cinderella story.
3: It's magical. Just their magic run out because they ran into a great Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's always different things that, that can come into play with those Cinderella teams. And that's the hardest part of keeping a Cinderella run going. And I'm not a huge believer in momentum, but when you go series to series like that, it's tough, right? You come back from the, uh, the, the, outstanding series against vegas and now you've got a you know sometimes that weight will kill you sometimes like you said the magic just runs out things don't click people lose their their edge whatever it is this time you just they just weren't a very good team in comparison to the team that we were playing
3: you can still play that song, Rashad.
1: Play that song, oh, though.
3: Yeah. What a great season for the Montreal Canadiens,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and one of the best performances for Tampa Bay might have come after the game last night. Kucherov in his post-game press conference.
4: I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's a f- back to back, and yeah, I, I couldn't sleep for three nights. You know, and uh, to be able to win this game is huge. Wassey was outstanding. MVP, I was telling him every day, Wassey, you're MVP. You, you're you the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, uh, the Vezina. And then last year, they, they gave Vezina to somebody else. Number one bull****, <laughs> or number one bull****. <laughs>. Wassey took both cups. You know, he took MVP and I was keep telling him, he's MVP, he's the guy that <laughs> he's the best. You know, he was on his head today and you know, he kept us in the game and another shout out for it by him. Remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy. we. <laughs> I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted, the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Their final was last, last series. Okay.
1: What did you guys think of those comments?
4: Manny,
0: what did you think?
3: <laughs> I thought he was garbage. Thought it was garbage. I didn't mind what he said about Vasilevsky and the Vesna. I think Vasilevsky should have won the Vesna last year, let alone this year. I think you can make a good argument, but he doesn't know how Montreal celebrates after they won the Cup. Are you trying to tell me Mon- that's that's what he thinks Montreal would look like celebrating after they won Game Four? Are you kidding me? Does he even know what happens in Canada when a Canadian team wins the Stanley Cup? Come on. He doesn't know, Manny. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't know. He never played in the regular season. He wouldn't know how they normally celebrate a win.
0: He wouldn't know, Manny, because he wasn't born when they won the Stanley Cup in 93. Uh. (laughs) Look, the NHL needs characters. I don't care what you say about other teams' fans. Uh, stop. Okay, he's sitting at the post game press conference. He just won his second straight, beer. second straight, second straight Stanley shirt off. Cup with his shirt off. You can say whatever you want. I think it's hilarious. I think anybody that gets offended by something like that is just sour grapes. Who cares if he's the most? It makes the most completely inaccurate statement. It's it's amusing. He's obviously enjoying himself. He's not offending anybody or hurting anybody. He doesn't know what it's like for the Montreal, the city of Montreal, to, to win a Stanley Cup. They're celebrating. They win the series against Vegas. Like it was their Stanley cup. And and, yeah, that's exactly what Montreal did. They celebrated that series like the, and the next one would have been bigger, but they never got to that. And Kucherov was born in 1993. So he does not know what that's like,
3: but he's talking about game four. Like if, if you're a hockey player, you should know at least the history in the league, right? If you're in the NHL, you should know that the Montreal Canadians have won 24 Stanley cups. And you know, how legendary that organization is I don't have a problem with him being a character I just think he's an idiot you can say what you want just like I can think you're an idiot for saying what
0: you absolutely want. so you'd rather him sit there and and say is oh, Montreal played a great series they're a great team they're really well coached
3: like no, what what's everybody he can, he can he can say whatever he wants just like I can say that he sounded like an idiot yeah
0: absolutely so who cares what he says Why is that even something that that bothers anybody? uh, uh,
3: It doesn't bother me. I just think he was an idiot, and he looked like an idiot, too. Well,
0: he's got two Stanley Cup rings. The guy can do pretty much anything he wants right now.
1: (laughs) A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And we'll have some more discussion, but uh, first we'll get to our special guest.
0: Yeah, so we've been talking about the, the NHL draft, last few episodes and such. Going to focus on the draft, of course, and we're going to get even a little bit further into the draft with somebody who is hoping to hear their name get selected in this uh, coming uh, NHL draft. In this episode of the OT, with one of the prospects that we are hoping to hear early in the first round on July 23rd,
3: our guest is a former Toronto Marley who was the sixth overall pick in the 2019 OHL draft. He scored 12 goals, recorded 30 points in 53 games in his rookie season with the Windsor Spitfires. He also represented Canada at the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge and won gold with Canada at the World Under-18 Hockey Tournament. He is also the answer to the trivia question of who scored the first goal for the Windsor Spitfires in the 2019-2020 OHL season. Please welcome to, for future considerations, Wyatt Johnston. Wyatt, welcome
1: to the podcast. How have you been?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's great to have you. That goal you scored, the first of the season for the Spits, do you have that puck?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. It's hung up in my room, pretty much right beside where my head is when I'm sleeping.
3: <laughs> do you remember that goal? It was like 4 nothing Peterborough, right, when you scored?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it was a tough game. Um, yeah, I remember the goal. I remember it being probably the slowest goal ever. <laughs> at, like, the puck. i remember the puck just being up in the air for like 20 seconds and i was just staring it down and i like, ended up tripping over someone because i was just staring at the puck <laughs> and you guys won that game it was um, you like yeah. won nine six it was the first yeah. game
3: of the season it was ever
2: yeah. It was, amazing. yeah it was a pretty cool game to for me for me to be my first game in the ohl coming back from four nothing and winning nine six um
5: yeah and lots of big games in your career already, like uh, like Manny had mentioned, uh, the
0: uh, under-17s, the under-18s as well, and I know you just came back from that tournament and playing in that tournament. Without that, you wouldn't have played hockey this past
5: season because of the OHL and all that, so how have you stayed busy and, and fit and game-ready for
2: the, the throughout the pandemic? Um, yeah, I've been working out in the gym about five times a week, or five or six times a week. Um, I've been able to, uh, get some gym equipment for home. So when there's lockdowns or something, I'm able to, to do my workouts from home. But for the most part, I was able to get to a gym and get on the ice as much as possible to just try and stay in shape for whenever the, um, the games came or games would come. Uh, so yeah. And other than that, there hasn't been too much going on pretty much just high school and training pretty much for the past year and a bit. So are you bigger? Have you gained weight? Do you feel stronger or? Um, yeah, I've, I've put on probably 25, maybe almost even, uh, probably about 25 pounds since the end of my first year in Windsor. Um, and I've probably gained about an inch of height, uh, maybe a little bit more. Wow. Well, so how has that changed your game? I'm
5: assuming you would have noticed a difference in the under 18s. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely
2: noticed uh, a massive difference. Um, and you're also playing with guys, your own age, instead of, Uh, 20 year olds like in the OHL so um, but yeah I definitely noticed a huge difference um, personally in in my strength and in physicality
5: what was one of the things as you were going along that uh, you know whether it was practice or in skating or something like that when you were kind of caught yourself oh shit I can do this now or I I can (laughs) beat
2: this or do that um I think a lot of it was just kind of in battles and stuff like that um I think I could just tell that you know i wasn't getting pushed around as much i was able to just kind of hold my ground and um yeah i think i think just kind of, and yeah, battle drills i just kind of noticed it a little bit more just i was able to use my strength a little bit better in my size
1: when you uh, were skating during the off season did you skate with anyone that listeners would know
2: um yeah i skated with luca i know a lot from the uh, spitfires um it kind of it was a little bit of a roller coaster of a year with some guys and he ended up going to uh, I believe Finland um, so there's a lot of guys who are in and out there's a lot of guys from the OHL um, and also guys who went on and, and played in the AHL. Um, so yeah there's a lot of a lot of guys and yeah especially with this crazy year, it was, uh, it was um, there wasn't always the same group of guys every day
3: was there any thought process for you Wyatt that maybe you thought Would you consider going to Europe, and why didn't you?
2: Um, Yeah, I definitely looked into it. Um, I think it was a pretty risky thing just going across the world in the middle of a pandemic, and um, I know some guys ended up going to Europe and they didn't end up playing a single game. Um, So, yeah, I I looked into it, um, but ultimately I was just waiting for the OHL to start, and, I mean, that didn't end up happening. But um, at the time, I think it looked pretty – it looked like it was a sure thing that the OHL was going to go, but I guess that didn't work out. Um, so yeah, I definitely looked into it though and going to Europe.
0: And how disappointing was it for you when uh, it finally came down? The OHL was not having a season this season, uh, especially because uh, your eligibility now
2: for the NHL draft. Uh yeah, it was definitely really frustrating. I think, um, I think, yeah, by the end, I think it was. It was at a point where we were either going to get the call that we were going to come down to Windsor and, and get ready or they were going to call the season off. I think it was it was starting to get a little bit late. Um, but yeah, it was definitely really frustrating, especially earlier on when we'd have a date and then it kept on getting pushed back and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, overall, it was really frustrating, especially at being my draft year.
3: How, how would you describe your first year in the OHL? When you when you look back at it now, it seems forever ago, right?
2: Um, yeah, it feels like a different life, honestly. But um, it was an amazing year. I liked, I loved the uh, the city of Windsor and the team and the organization. Um, overall, was, I was really happy with my year. I thought um, I just got better personally as the year went on, and I think just kind of my comfortable. I was more comfortable, and um, yeah, just overall, I think just as time went on, I just got more and more happy, and I was pretty upset once the uh the season got canceled due to covid and uh we didn't have a chance to to play in the playoffs. That was that was definitely pretty frustrating because it was a a pretty good year and we had a pretty good team.
3: Yeah, you guys were a pretty confident bunch, right? Like
2: Yeah, yeah, we were I think we would have been able to, you know, do a pretty good job in the playoffs and got pretty far. Um I thought we had a really good team.
1: Which players did you learn from and who helped you get adapted to the league in that first season?
2: Um yeah, I think there's a lot of guys um, on the team I think especially the younger guys like Pasquale Zito I think me and Pasquale we were pretty much the only two 16 year olds on the team uh, so we were able to kind of learn off each other and just kind of go through um, our first seasons together as a 16 year old a year and learn together and then also some of the the veteran players um, like well Luke Boca just kind of based on just kind of the way he plays I think it's it's pretty hard not to learn anything from him and then also, some of the older guys who, who've able to go into pro like Tyler Angle and uh, Connor Corkin.
0: And then, as we mentioned, uh, playing with Canada, at the World 18s. How was that experience, and
5: how much confidence did you uh, come away with after uh, playing on such a big stage?
2: Um, yeah, the tournament was overall amazing. Uh, it's it's always an honor to to represent Canada, and it was pretty special that we were able to to bring back the gold medal and. Yeah, I think I definitely you know had a lot of confidence going in, and just kind of continued and probably grew a little bit more as as the tournament on and at the end of the tournament, especially bringing back the gold medal. I think that kind of raises your confidence levels a little bit too. Where's the gold medal? Uh, I think it's right beside my um, my first OHL gold puck, right beside <laughs> my head when I'm That's sleeping. Great.
3: That's great. I remember watching the tournament and you were getting more and more ice time as the tournament went on. So coach Dave Barr, uh, assistant coach Mike Stuthers, they obviously thought very highly of you. How great was that, that they had a lot of confidence
2: in you? Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, yeah, I think, um, I, think yeah, I guess I kind of eased into the tournament based on not playing a game for 14 months. Um, so, yeah, I think I kind of eased into the tournament. And I think as, as the tournament went on, I got better. And um, my ice time showed that. So, um, yeah, I think it was it was a really good experience. And, yeah, I'm really happy with the, the amount of ice time I had and the the opportunity I had to uh, help the team win. What was it like playing in a world tournament in Texas, of all places,
3: in a pandemic?
2: Um, it was definitely not the, uh, the normal experience, I think. I mean, we were pretty... <laughs> We were in the hotel a lot but um you know i we were going there to play hockey and ultimately i don't think i didn't really care what anything else other than the hockey was like so yeah i think it was a little bit different um of of a tournament but uh it was all overall it was amazing and it's always fun to play against all the other countries from the world and the best countries
0: How different is it playing in a tournament like that for yourself and and having a little bit of experience in that already in such a short period of time with a group of guys that you're not necessarily comfortable with or or know a lot about, uh, but to come together and
5: and play as a unit and and obviously have success and win a gold medal?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, everyone at the tournament, was they're all the best players from Canada, so Um, I don't, I didn't find it personally too hard to kind of gel and play with everyone else because they were all such good hockey players. Um, but I think, you know, we all had the same goal and we all really wanted to win the gold medal. And I think that just kind of brought us together as a team. Um, and I think everyone was willing to, you know, buy in and do whatever they, um, whatever was needed to help the team win. And I think that was a really big thing. Just everyone doing their part and just kind of gelling together to, ultimately win the gold medal which was the goal of all of ours
1: obviously the moment that'll stand out the most is getting the medal around your neck but uh, any other moments that stand out from that tournament
2: um well i think one thing was just playing a game my first game um just personally that was kind of pretty weird um i don't think i've ever gone that long without playing a game um so that was one weird thing
1: a few butterflies i bet when you got on the ice
2: yeah for sure um And then I think just, I think especially the, um, the playoff rounds is the intensity just got higher and um, it was a do or die. Um, I think just overall that. And then the final game, I think that was just every, pretty much every part of that game was pretty special, especially towards the end of the game when we were getting so close and um, there's a pretty, some pretty anxious and stressful moments for sure.
3: So how long had it been since you actually played a hockey game from The end of the ohl season to the start of that tournament
2: um i don't know i believe my last OHL game was middle of marchish maybe march 12th or something um and then i the first game at the u18s was maybe late april so i guess month uh 13 months in a bit maybe 13 and a half months something around there it's crazy to think about it
3: right yeah it's it's about right 13 months
2: yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely really crazy. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever gone that long without a game since I was maybe like three or four or since I probably since I started hockey.
3: Wyatt Johnston of the Windsor Spitfires is our guest who's now preparing for the NHL draft. Tell us about that process. How has it been?
2: Um, yeah, I'm, it's going well. Um, it's definitely a different year than usual. I think the teams are, I think talking to guys a little bit more than usual because they haven't been able to see guys as much. So I've been pretty busy recently with doing Zoom calls and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's it's been a little bit different than usual, but I've been enjoying it a lot. What are those virtual
5: meetings uh, like? Is it uh, strictly conversational or for the most part um, a lot of
0: questions going back and forth? Or, or how uh, I'm sure you've envisioned how these conversations would
5: go. Uh, how different are they from from what you imagined? um
2: yeah i think for the most part they're maybe even a little bit easier than i thought for i think it kind of depends some teams are i guess a little bit more serious and um you know asking me a little bit tougher questions but then other teams are just for the most part they're all just trying to get to know me a little bit better they're not trying to i don't pick me apart um or i guess they are trying to pick me apart a little bit i guess um but but ultimately they just want to get to know me a little bit better um, so a lot of the conversations are in, in Zoom calls are just pretty casual and they're just asking me about myself and asking me about hockey and, and things like that.
3: How many teams have you talked to?
2: Um, I think almost up for about 28, maybe almost. Wow. Yeah, there hasn't been too many that I haven't talked to at this point say who are the teams that you haven't heard from yet call them out what the hell
3: come on guys get on the phone time's running out let's go set up that zoom meeting let's go do, do you pay attention to the draft rankings like what what kind um, of advice have the will coolies and the jean-luc foodies of the world
2: given to you for example um yeah i mean i definitely see some of them but you know, ultimately you don't need the, um, you don't need to be ranked super high in all those draft rankings. You just need one NHL team to like you to take you. Um, So yeah, I think, I mean, everyone, everyone likes to do the rankings, but ultimately it's, it's the NHL teams that are drafting the players and it's, it's their lists that I care about more. Um, But yeah, I think it's definitely, it's definitely cool to see where, you know, people slot me in and, um i definitely see it but you know i don't pay too much attention to them because you know ultimately it's the nhl teams that i'm I'm more interested in have you gotten any advice from players about this whole process um not too much just to i don't know kind of just take it as it goes and you know as about the draft wings and not really pay too much attention to them i think i think if you want to you can kind of dissect those and look into them a little bit too much so um, yeah, I think, you know, I haven't had too much, but I think just kind of take it as it goes and kind of stay away from all that stuff.
1: I know when you're on those calls, you get asked things like what your greatest strength is and uh, what areas you want to improve in your game. What have you been telling teams when they ask you what do you think your greatest strength is and what would you like to improve?
2: Um, I think my greatest strength is, you know, my hockey IQ and hockey sense. Um, I think those are my two biggest assets. And then I think what I need to work on is my my skating, my straightaway speed um you know it's a pretty cliche answer but uh just to make it to the next level you got to be you got to be a pretty good skater and I think that's one thing that'll really help me um be more effective in games
0: we'd expect being a Toronto boy that you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan correct me if I'm wrong on that but
5: which uh which player would you uh, suggest that you you model your game after
2: um yeah I am a Toronto Maple Leafs fan um but um a little bit awkward but uh nick suzuki from the montreal um, ah, boy, he, he's one guy that <laughs> yeah he's one guy that i've been loved i've loved to watch him and i think he's one guy that i think we play pretty similarly and uh he's one guy that i like to you know kind of take some things from
1: so has toronto been one of the 28 can you tell us
2: uh yeah
5: yeah they have
3: <laughs> nice how about the montreal canadians yeah ah
5: <laughs>
3: future teammate of nick suzuki right let's there. just Let keep go.
5: going here <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> what about the Anaheim Ducks? What about the Buffalo Sabres?
3: <laughs> hey, is anybody asking you about um, your parents? I understand your parents have a background as marathon runners. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think they've both done some marathons and um, maybe even triathlons in their life. They're both pretty big runners. They, I think my mom runs almost every day. Um, I think she's had a couple injuries recently. But, but most of my parents, they like to, to run a lot. I um, mean, yeah, they asked about my parents. They um, don't ask too much about them, but um, they just try to get the gist of kind of what my family's like. Uh, yeah.
3: And I heard the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You were you're a big cross-country runner?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I was a cross-country runner for most of my, my elementary school days. And then as time went on, I kind of had to shift my focus towards hockey and uh, didn't have as much time to, to work on my running
3: now i understand there's a bunch of medals not gold medals but a bunch of medals for cross country in your room too
2: um yeah i have a few some ribbons and medals of course
3: how many come on you can talk yourself Um, up it's all good
2: i don't know um i think it depends (laughs) um i believe i won the uh toronto city finals for from grade one to five i believe he oh, uh, just happened to sixth. win it.
1: He just won yeah. the
3: whole city title.
0: Right? Toronto's not too big.
1: <laughs> how big is I this think, room? You got a I lot of I stuff f- on your walls.
0: <laughs> I think I finished ninth once in a relay race in high school, so that's pretty <laughs> good. I think
3: I finished 10th in a town of a thousand people. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, how do you think that's adapted? Has it adapted to your hockey game? Do you credit anything with your hockey skill from your cross-country experience?
2: Um, Yeah, I think the one thing is conditioning. I think always as a kid, um, I always had that extra gear once the third period came and people started to get tired. And I think I was always able to just kind of get better when third period started. And as people were getting tired, I just kind of kept my energy levels up. And I think that was from all of the running I did.
1: Yeah, I think that would probably help on on a big penalty kill too.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So how excited are you that a schedule has been released for the upcoming OHL season?
2: I'm super excited. Um I'm yeah, I just can't wait. Um it's it's cool to kind of just look through the schedule and see what the the weeks and weekends will look like and what teams will be playing. And um yeah, I think it's it's really exciting to to have a, a date in place and to have a day that you're kind of focusing everything towards.
0: And what do you think of the the team that you'll be suiting up for in Windsor? Obviously the draft just happening not that long ago. Uh, do you know some of the
5: kids that uh, are going to be coming through the pipeline? And, and what do you think of this uh, upcoming Spitfire team?
2: Um, yeah, I think we should have a really good team. I think we have a lot of a good older players. Um, you know, I don't know too much about the uh, the 04s and 05 draft picks, but um, I think we picked up some pretty good players. I saw Abraham was on the um, US team for, I believe, U18s and then we picked fourth overall in, in this year's draft, so I think we definitely have some pretty good players there. And then um, I think also just the older players that will be returning for my first year, I think we'll have a really strong team for sure.
3: Well, Wyatt, really looking forward to that, looking forward to seeing you back in Windsor, looking forward to seeing you on the ice, but really rooting for you on uh, draft weekend as well. Uh, what, what kind of draft party will there be? Will it be... Uh, small and quiet or will you have a bunch of people over
2: um i think pretty small and quiet um i don't have the the biggest house and my backyard is very very small um so yeah i think yeah just small and little
5: well you don't have any room in there with all the trophies and, uh, <laughs> and ribbons so
3: everybody'll be in the the driving lot uh, the the driveway <laughs> Well, Wyatt, we wish you all the best uh, on draft day. And again, looking forward to seeing you. Thanks for
5: joining us on for future considerations. Yeah, no problem. Thank you again for having me. All
3: right. Thanks again to Wyatt Johnston of the Windsor Spitfires for joining us on the OT. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where he goes in the draft, seeing him suit up for the Windsor Spitfires in the upcoming OHL season too.
0: Outstanding, uh, well-spoken kid. Uh he, he was great. It was very insightful and, and interesting to see what this process has been like for him for sure.
3: Can you believe that in some Zoom calls he's had like twenty people on his team?
0: I'm kidding. Do you have a do you have that together mode where you can put them all at like the heads of fish and stuff when they <laughs> they'll float around the screen just to keep things a little bit light?
3: <laughs> Which four teams have not talked to him?
0: I don't know. Four pretty bad teams. <laughs> <laughs> really like this is a You got to do
3: your due diligence
0: the only thing that you can possibly think of uh in that is and we said this after um uh after or as we were getting prepared for the, the interview i should say um if there isn't a team that's talked to him it's either a team that doesn't have a first round pick and maybe doesn't even have a second-round pick. I don't know if that team out there is existing, or you're not having that conversation because you don't expect him to be there when you're picking. I get you. Maybe you don't spend a ton of time on on the kid that might go you know, 15th if you're picking 24th. He's probably not going to fall. You're probably not going to spend a lot of time there. But he's not in that category. He's not expected to go that high. I should say. He might be a late first round, might be an early second round guy. So I don't know why you haven't had a conversation with him uh, of of any of those teams. uh, And, you know, these teams talk, these scouts and all of that talk. You're telling me that if you're looking at a kid on your board and you haven't talked to him, but you find out that 85% of the other teams in the league have, you might want to schedule a quick conversation with this kid before you miss the boat.
3: Right. You want to do your due diligence with the top 50 guys, I would say, right? You want to talk to at least all of the guys in the top 50. He's projected to go anywhere from 35 to 50. He's ranked 16th among North American skaters. Some people have him going in the first round, late in the first round. Some people have him going early to mid-second round. I think if every single NHL team's got to do his due diligence, and I'm looking forward, as I said, to seeing him with the Spitfires because he says he's gained another 25 pounds. No kidding.
0: That's huge. That is huge. And he's grown an inch. and He's already a, a pretty good uh, size for uh, for his age as well. So could be a monster year for him.
1: And uh, him and I have something in common. I've also gained 25 pounds in the last year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: I'm assuming his and is not the gonna... Doritos diet, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey guys, I have a few more questions I'm going to get your take on. Uh, the euro final is set between Italy and England. It's a tasty final as the English commentators would say. Who do you guys have? Is are?
0: there a better commentator group than like than than English commentators? It's just no. phenomenal. Like
1: English soccer in particular
3: or football, yeah. whatever you want to call it. They are amazing.
0: They are like cuz Mike Emmerich, who calls hockey games is the one of the best linguistic speakers that you'll ever come across calling a, a sports broadcast but you know like these there's a spicy poke towards the, <laughs> the it's great it's it's awesome entertainment
3: they they will they will paint a beautiful picture with adjectives on a play oh. uh and they will not also not be afraid to carve a player <laughs> on the field as well <laughs> <laughs> uh he has I, just I been think...
0: despicable tonight. We're we're, we're 16 <laughs> minutes into the game, <laughs> and he
3: scored. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go with England here, guys. I think it might be their time. They're playing at home. Uh, I think I talked about this in the last episode, too. Um, they're going to pack Wembley Stadium. They haven't been in an international a final since 66. So quite a long time. Speaking of magical runs, this might be England's time.
0: And I'm going to take Italy, who seems to have taken down all the big boys on their side of the bracket. And uh, I've got money on them. So I'm going to go with Italy.
3: That's good. It's funny. I was texting with a buddy this week, and I go, "Yeah, pr- pretty impressive of England to get through the high school bracket <laughs> of the Euro <laughs> Championship." <laughs> it's it's kind of like the CFL versus the NFL, the two brackets. That's what. That's how I compare it. Wait a the, minute. The red. Who
0: do you? Who would you have, Rashad? The Red Blacks or the Kansas City Chiefs?
1: <laughs> we all know the answer to that. All right. Hey, John, you, you picked
3: Tampa Bay to win it all. I think you even had Vasilevsky, right, as the Con yep, Smythe Yeah, I did. Yeah. So who yeah. you got?
1: Uh, I originally picked Italy, so I guess I'm going to stick with Italy. All right, there we okay. go.
3: Forte, Fortes,
0: Well, I, I jokingly Testino. picked North
1: Macedonia, but uh, they disappointed me. Viva so.
3: Viva Azuri! <laughs>
1: North Macedonia didn't have that Cinderella run that uh, your team had. They were the pumpkin. (laughs) (laughs) The mice. What are you talking about? (laughs) And the bracket for baseball's home run derby on Monday has been released after Joey Gallo is the eighth and final competitor to be added to the event. And
3: That ball is pounded again. Deep out to center. Gone!
1: Gallo's second home run of the day. And who do you guys think is going to win the Home Run Derby?
0: Well, this is a tasty bracket, isn't it? Like, right... <laughs> a scrumptious Right bracket. out of the gate, you've got Shohei Ohtani and Juan Soto. That should be a real good matchup Amazing. in that first round. Um, to get through the whole thing, I'm not going to take Ohtani. Uh, I'm really not going to go too far off the uh, the rankings. I'm going to take Joey Gallo on this one.
3: Oh, that's my guy. Ah, Man, 10 home runs in 10 games as he got named to the uh Home yep. Run Derby, he hit two in the game against. He was Detroit. the last guy. He was the last guy, and I I think I think he's going to pull it off.
0: So do I, when you like Otani, if you look at Otani, he's got a pretty tough run through this. Juan Soto would be his first round. In the second round, he would have the winner of Salvador Perez and Pete Alonso. Alonso's already got one of these. Uh, so I he's would the expect, I would expect him to win that round. Uh, Joey Gallo, Trevor, Trevor Story. I mean, you could give Trevor Story a, a bit of an advantage being it's his home stadium, home crowd, all of that stuff. Matt Olsen, I think, is going to be uh, pretty good as well. Trey Mancini, unbelievable story and just great a great story. story and part of that. I hope he can win that that first round or at least put up a decent showing. But now you're getting into some, some power lefties. You're going Otani. Gallo, Olsen, and then possibly Pete Alonso. Uh, any one of those, I think, uh, are, are pretty pretty good champs.
3: Who you got, John?
1: Well, I was hoping for Guerrero, but uh, now I don't know who to cheer for.
3: Yeah, Vladdy yeah, said thanks, but Vladdy no thanks. Vladdy Vale right?
0: Devers uh, was apparently asked and said no.
1: I think Joey's a good bet. Joey Gallo. So do I. I know uh, TSN was really disappointed when Vlad said he wasn't going to bother. They had all the stats and how many runs he's had and overspread over his entire time mm-hmm. and all the stuff, and they're just building the case. I think they were trying to convince him, but it didn't work. Yeah.
0: And then Jose Altuve, this is where it all starts for, for a lot of these players. Jose Altuve's already bailed on the All Star game, so he's not going to be playing. His personal choice wanted to spend some more time with his family or whatever over that that break. So now you'll start seeing or some avoid of those. The, Funny,
3: uh, I was. Or avoid the booing or trash can. I wasn't thinking at that at all, Star
0: Manny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you'll <laughs> see some of these other guys that uh, are going to start getting into that. You know, we always have the pitchers that get named to the All Star game, and then they pull a couple of them because they just started uh, that that first couple of games beforehand so i know we talked about some of the snubs hopefully some of those guys get in as the roster really kind of shakes itself out
1: and finally the conor mcgregor dustin poirier fight is saturday night who do you guys got
3: round three for these guys right they've each won one yeah they each won yep. one
0: conor mcgregor won in 2014 uh then dustin poirier beat him when we had colored television and they've apparently made this the third round of a series that is longer than, than Star Wars at this point.
3: But the the rubber match, this is the right? they've
0: created the rubber match.
3: McGregor won in round one, Poirier won in round two. Yep.
0: Eight years have, apart. A lot
3: of people. A lot of people are picking McGregor, right? They keep saying that he's good in rematches. He's got to win. What do you think?
0: I, I, I would put, if I was a, a betting man, and I am, and I'm not putting a cent on him, but uh, uh, Conor McGregor is going to win <laughs> this fight. Dustin Poirier is going to have to knock him senseless to win this fight. The UFC needs Conor McGregor. The UFC needs, that's their boy, their boy. Conor McGregor cannot go down like this. He's not going to get punched in the face twice. It's a fight that shouldn't even be happening anyways. And now he's in the, the, the whatever they call it, the the warm-up or the weigh-in or whatever. He's kicking them. He's, you know... Talking about, he doesn't uh, care about relationships. He just sees another body that he has to put in a stretcher across from. That guy's won one fight since 2016. But I promise you, the UFC is going to find a way for him to win this game unless uh, this match, unless Dustin Poirier knocks him on his face.
3: See, and uh, why is Conor McGregor still fighting? Because
0: he's got nothing else to do. He probably has still some lingering legal bills. And the, U- the, UFC, it, that's the, answer. the UFC has still not been able, and, and it's a massive sport and it brings in massive money. They've still not been able to create the next guy like Conor McGregor. I, you know, when you look through the weight class, there's one guy at the top of every list. And if you're a UFC fan or if you follow it at all, you recognize a lot of these names. But other than maybe a John Jones and a Conor McGregor, Outside of that, if you were to stop somebody that does not have any association with UFC, MMA, or anything like that, there isn't a third guy you can name. So this is the, you know, John Jones gets kicked out of every fight because he's drugged up. Conor McGregor is the clown of the, of the party. That's who they need. They don't have that next guy. So the UFC is going to do everything they can to get this guy a win on Saturday.
3: What are you talking what are you talking about? George St. Pierre. We saw him on the streets of Montreal he's, when we He's went.
0: been done. He was done 10 years ago. He's doing Bodog commercials now. <laughs> like,
3: he's or Bet 66 he's picking or whatever McGregor. Yeah, Bet 99. Is that what it is? Bet 99? Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's picking Conor McGregor, so I'm going with the good old Canadian George St. Pierre. There you go. I'm, to pick Conor I would
0: McGregor. pick Conor McGregor for this as well. I don't think the UFC is going to let this this go any other way.
3: Although if I'm Dustin Poirier, I just want to knock this guy silly.
0: If Dustin Poirier knocks him out, you like you can walk out of there in a black suit and a black shirt because that is the end. There is no coming back from this for for Conor McGregor. He got this guy it to flip. He got this guy to fight him twice. But he hasn't fought him in 6 years. Dustin Poirier is the number 1 challenger in in his weight class. Conor McGregor is fifth or sixth. There is no benefit to Dustin Poirier fighting this third time around. That's why he's going to lose. He's going to lose this fight. Connor McGregor is going to win this in a draw or something like that, and then here we go again.
3: Yeah, but maybe the bigger question is how long it goes. McGregor won in round one, Poirier won in round two. Like, is this going to go very long?
0: I will suggest, if I, uh, if I were to to make a prediction, I'm going to say Connor McGregor wins and this is gonna be be by split decision. It's gonna it's gonna go the distance, it's gonna be left up to the judges, and they're gonna pick their, their trophy boy.
3: And that would be terrible though. That would be terrible. It
0: would be terrible. But he would go to twenty two and four or twenty two and six and or whatever his record is, and he can walk around like he's got uh, something up his <laughs> his backside. And are you gonna watch? Uh, probably but you know what here's the great thing so Saturday I'm uh, I'm helping a buddy of mine move during the day then we're going out to wine country and then coming back to my girlfriend's place for the fight so I plan on being so vino into this he might be fighting Bugs Bunny I don't know (laughs) I might find out the next morning either way I'm expecting at some point we're going to break up and then she'll watch the rest of the fight and then (laughs) And then I'll find out.
3: Is that what happened to you? Did you watch the match with a couple of bottles of wine? <laughs> I took with. A, uh,
0: I took a shot every time uh, Tom Brady bogeyed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you were really hammered.
0: Is that, is, <laughs> oh, so you can't do everything, Tom. Okay.
3: John, did you win that bet, too? Did you have Rodgers and DeChambeau? <laughs>
1: uh no, I didn't. No, oh, I didn't. you
3: had Brady and Mickelson.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I did. Well,
3: can't be 100% perfect all the time. John.
1: <laughs> I won the um, can I ask you guys? I won the Norris prediction, of- though. That's all I can. <laughs> 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 one out of ten ain't bad boys. One out of ten. Ain't well, what, do you,
0: what do you got? Rashad? What do you got?
1: I was gonna ask you, um, so if they don't find the next guy in the UFC. Say five years, 10 years down the line, does it start to become like boxing where nobody cares anymore?
0: Uh, I think it's starting to go that way. Uh, When you look at this main card, uh, Greg Hardy, who in the the world of the NFL has actually been rejected by the NFL for how bad a dude he is, is on this main card. So it's it's starting to creep that way and he's a terrible fighter from from what I understand. So it's starting to it's starting to be a little bit uh, a little bit showy and a little bit goofy. I mean some of these guys when you look at, at the the top rankings of of the dudes that are in there, I mean the, I don't even know a couple of their names off the top of my head, but there's some badass dudes <laughs> that fight in in this sport, and if that's your thing, like the heavyweights, or the a couple of those guys are really really good fighters. So I don't think it's getting to that point yet. But if they can't pull that next guy around, uh, it it very well could.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it's starting to go that way. They need to find somebody to hype up. Yeah,
0: I'm just a huge they, fan they of need... Dana White. I I think anything that that Dana White really invests his time in and, and tries to make a success um will be a success. So I think he's looking for the next guy. I think they're dying for an American guy, really. I think they're they're looking for a dominant American fighter. Uh, and they just have not been able to find one.
1: They need like a Hulk Hogan, like a wrestling all American hero that everybody can get behind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You need somebody like that. You need so UFC is built on on both of those. You need the good guy, you need the villain. And that's exactly what this fight is. Like Dustin Poirier, you know, in the, in the post fight messages that he was talking about, was talking about, you know, the climb to getting here and supporting of his family and and all that. He seems like a good dude. And Conor McGregor is, is the tough guy. He's the, you know, he's the goofball of the show. He's the guy that you, you love or you hate. And sport in general needs that. And, you know, I don't know enough about UFC to say that, that there is another guy or another matchup in there that's like that right now.
1: And that's our abbreviated version of Rapid Fire on this special edition of the OT.
3: Yeah, we again got some great feedback from our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today and earlier this week. DJ, thanks for your kind words. I love some of your guest suggestions too. We will try to... Get some of those names that you gave us on our
1: show. Yeah, and you, we don't know about Kate Upton, but we'll try. <laughs> yeah, we well, will try. Well, sure,
3: we will. Well, try. Well, next year Justin
0: Verlander is going to be a Tiger. They'll be over there. She'll be looking for something to do. You know, well, never know, never know. <laughs> <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. We got to get Kiefer Sutherland first, and yeah, then you get we got to get
3: him on too. Right.
0: Either way, <laughs> social media is is the where where you want to go connect with us on social media as well. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook. Manny's going to be broadcasting live from the parade in Tampa. It's going to be great. Thanks again oh for, for doing that. You and Cooch are going to be on uh, jet ski. It's going to be awesome.
1: <laughs> and you can also send us your feedback by email at considerations at gmail.com.
3: Remember to go back and listen to our debate show from earlier this week if you haven't done so already. And our OT interview last week with Mike Fuda. It's blowing up. Thanks for the love, boys.
1: Uh, We also want to thank our sponsors, London Awnings, Quality That Shows.
0: And Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sports training and
3: nutrition. Maybe he's going jet skiing with Cooch.
0: Maybe. He might be the one that somehow, some way, is the one that walks the cup up to the, the stage. Wait a second.
3: <laughs> He's going to try to throw it like Brady threw the, the Lombardi. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. He might be there hitting on the mare. I don't know.
3: <laughs> it is. That's it. That's sort of his... Territory, isn't it?
0: It might. it yeah. might be. That's. Every, look, everybody's got their wheelhouse.
3: Enjoy the weekend. I know Shane well, and thanks for listening to for future considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the
1: last three years. Tonight, I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick